We are on the bottom of Yevamos Peheim Aleph 85a. And the Gemara just described the differences between different types of marriages which are prohibited. Uh, the ones that are cases like an almana to a Kohen Gadol, the widow to the high priest, or somebody who's divorced to a Kohen. So in those cases, uh, the different obligations continue to apply. Uh, there's a Ksuba. Um, he has an obligation to support her after he passes away. Um, all these different obligations continue to apply. Uh, however, when it is Shneos, when it's a rabbinic prohibition, so then they do not continue to apply. And the question is why? What's the difference between the two? So we'll have two slash three different answers to this question. And then the Gemara will ask, well, practically what's the difference between these different answers? So Amr Rav ben Elazar. Rav ben Elazar is the first opinion. He says... Essentially, Raji explains that Rashim ben Elazar holds that when it comes to a biblical prohibition, so the reason why we don't have all these fines, these are all really, on a rabbinic level, these are fines that we say that uh, the regular uh, contract which is created by the marriage, the various obligations, financial obligations that occur, uh, they continue to apply when it is a biblical prohibition. And the reason for that is because everybody knows that uh, that uh, it's something which is uh, not allowed. Since it's not allowed... They will fight, they'll get into fights, and they will get divorced anyways. They're going to get divorced. Forget about the fact that uh, we'll, we'll, even if we don't say that there's a, that uh, we won't include these various obligations, uh, they will get into a fight because they are making each other disqualified uh, from either from being, from joining with the kahuna uh, or just uh, other ways, but they, they become disqualified. This is a biblical prohibition. They're going to be fighting about this day in and day out, and they'll, they'll eventually get divorced. And so therefore, we don't have to incentivize them to get divorced anyways, because they'll probably get divorced anyways. That's how Rashi explains it. But when it comes to rabbinic prohibition, so that does not disqualify people from uh, the kahuna. And so therefore, we need to incentivize them to get divorced. So therefore, we'll say that there is no ksuba, that the rules are different. That is Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Rabbi Omer, option number two is Rabbi. Rabbi says, Halalu Rabbi is of the opinion that it makes the difference is whether it is a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition. If it's a biblical prohibition, so then everybody knows about the biblical prohibition. Everybody knows about it. And so we don't have to create some sort of incentive because everybody knows about it, that it's a prohibition. But if it's rabbinic, so we need to strengthen the rabbinic prohibitions because people might say, oh, it's only rabbinic, I could get married, it's not a problem. No, we have to strengthen it. So therefore, when they enter into such a marriage, we say that the normal agreements do no, no longer apply. We try to get them to get divorced. That is option number two. Now, the Gemara gives an option number three. We just don't know. It seems like from the Gemara that this is really just an added explanation for either option number one or option number two. So option number three, again, just to review. Option number one was that if they're going to get into a fight anyways by the biblical prohibition, so then we don't have to create some sort of incentive because they're going to get divorced anyways. Option number two is that there's a difference whether it's a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition. 
and we want to strengthen the rabbinic prohibition so that more people are aware of it. Option number three now is Davracher Zehu Margila Vizuhi Margilasa. Essentially, if it's the type of prohibition where she does not lose out, her status doesn't really change. Okay, so then we assume that she is the one who's trying to push uh, for this marriage, even though it's not allowed. Because the reason why I assume it's her is because there's a general concept that in the Gemara that says that women really prefer to get married more than men. And as such, they're the, going to be the ones who are trying to push this marriage, even though there's a prohibition. As such, when it's a rabbinic prohibition, and this doesn't really impact her status, so then we'll say she's the one who's really trying to push this. Since she's the one who's trying to push this, so therefore we will put a fine. We'll say that we will put these penalties down to, to make sure that she doesn't enter into such marriage or to make sure that she gets divorced uh, because uh, she's the one who's initiating it. However, if, there, if it does change her status, so then we assume that she won't be the one who initiates it. Instead, it's the husband who's initiating it. If the husband is initiating it, then it doesn't make sense to remove him from his obligations. No, let him keep his obligations. He still has to give the ksuba. He still has to support her. Um, let us do that. But if it's a rabbinic prohibition, so we we'll say that since she is the one who's really trying to push this marriage, so therefore we will say that we will have these various penalties. Okay, that's really a third option. But the Gemara asks, really, It doesn't say who said this. In the first example, in the first reason, it was Rabbi Shem ben In the second reason, it was Rabbi. But the third reason doesn't have anybody. So it seems like it's either the first or the second one. But it seems to be it's a separate reason. So how do you fit this? How do you put all this together? So the Gemara gives two answers, two different uh, versions. First version is Ikeda Amri. Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar Ketani La Umatam Kaamar Matam Amru Hu Pasul Vipsula Kantus Aksuba Bebneisha He Hu Margila Umatam Kahu Kasher Vihikshira Kantu Osaksuba Bebneisha He Margila So essentially, according to version number one, really Rabbi Shimon ben Alazar, this was his line of reasoning the whole time. The whole time he was thinking. That if she is the one who's causing it because it's only a rabbinic prohibition, it doesn't really impact your status. So therefore, we will put a penalty on her to say that she doesn't receive the ksuba so that they're to, as, to, as an incentive to make sure they don't enter into the marriage, to make sure that they get divorced if they do enter into the marriage. However, if it's a biblical prohibition and it does impact your status, so she's not going to be the one who wants to enter into the marriage. Really, he's the one who's sort of convincing her to enter into the marriage. As such, we won't create a fine because... The, the fine will only help him out. Uh, so we won't create a fine because he's the one who's initiating this type of, uh, of uh, prohibitive relationship. That is all according to the first version. The first version, again, is explaining why we need the third reason. We already had two reasons. This is coming to explain why we need the third reason. We need the third reason um, because it's really, according to the first version, it's really explaining Rub Shimon ben Elazar. The second version, Ikadamri. Rebbe Kitani Law, really this is going within Rebbe. Rebbe differentiated between a biblical prohibition and a rabbinic prohibition and that the rabbinic prohibition needs more chizik, it needs more uh, strength, more backing, and so therefore we'll put a fine if it's a rabbinic pro- prohibition. So, Ah, v'chalutza kakashalei, v'chalutza durabanan, v'islek suba, hadam, right, came in the pasala, midurabanan, truma, or mitruma durabanan, zehu margila, v'zuhi margilasa. Essentially, included in the list in our Mishnah, we sort of left this out until now, but in the list of our Mishnah, it's not just the high priest 
with the widow. And it's not just the regular Kohen with somebody who's divorced. It also discusses the fact that who does get Mizonos, in fact, who does, in, in such a primitive relationship, they do get uh, Mizonos, they have to be supported, the husband has to support the wife. What's the case? What's an example of that? It's the case of the Chalutza, the woman who goes through Chalitza. So, um, she is not allowed, uh, she is not allowed to marry a Kohen on a rabbinic level. So it's all on a rabbinic level. So if it's on a rabbinic level, so then really we should create these various fines and penalties to strengthen the rabbinic prohibition. But says Rebbe, at least according to the second version, says Rebbe that since really he's the one who is initiating all of this, it's really coming from him, so therefore we will not put a... Um, we will not put a penalty. We won't put a penalty because he, the husband, is the one who's really pushing this. The reason why he's pushing this is because she wouldn't want to enter into such a marriage because it does have ramifications for her with regards to what she's allowed to eat, the special food that's given to the Kohanim, the truma on a rabbinic level. She's not allowed to eat it. Or, or the, the rabbinic level types of truma she's not allowed to eat. Uh, so this does impact her. As such, the husband is really, to, or the to-be husband is trying to push this along. And so therefore we will not uh, put a penalty on her because she's not the one who's initiating. Really, it is the husband. Okay? So those are the three different answers. Again, just to review, because this is a little bit complicated, the question ultimately is, why is it that in certain cases, like the different prohibitions of Kohanim uh, to a widow, to somebody who's divorced, uh, in those cases we say that she does receive her ksuba, but in the case of the rabbinic prohibition of Arias, she does not receive uh, her ksuba, we do put a fine on it. Um, so the first answer was, it depends if they're fighting. If they're fighting anyways, and it's going to cause them to get divorced, so then we don't have to uh, create some sort of incentive. But if they're not fighting, like if it's a rabbinic prohibition, so therefore they're not fighting, uh, and so therefore we do have to create some sort of incentive to make sure that they do get divorced. According to option number two, the difference is whether it's a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition, that we'll only create these fines on a rabbinic lo- for rabbinic prohibitions because... Uh, we want to strengthen the rabbinic prohibitions in the eyes of uh, of the common people. Um, and option number three really depends. It depends. According to the first version, it's going according to Rabbi Shimon It's really explaining the first position. It's not just about them fighting. Uh, it's not just about them fighting, but it's really about who's initiating this uh, marriage. Who's really the one that's initiating this marriage? If it's him, because she doesn't want to enter into the marriage because it's not allowed, and he's the one who's really entering into, uh, he's trying to initiate this and uh, cause her to enter into this marriage. So therefore, we won't create a fine on her. But if it's really her, so then we would create a fine on uh, on her. Uh, and that's according to the first version. According to the second version, it's all going within Rebbe. This is going within Rebbe uh, to explain the case of Chalitza, because Chalitza is a rabbinic prohibition, and yet she does receive her Ksuba. The reason why she receives her ksuba, even though it's a rabbinic prohibition, um, and you think that there should be some sort of fine. No, there's no fine here because um, the husband is really the one who initiated this whole thing, and so therefore there is no fine. The Gemara now asks, what's the practical difference between these two different, two slash three different positions? My Give me a case where this would have a practical ramification, meaning as follows. The Gemara, let's say, assumes 
that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, the first position, the reason why sometimes there is a fine, sometimes there isn't a fine, is really based on the uh, question of who is initiating this prohibitive marriage. If it's him, so then we won't create a fine because the fine just helps him out. If it's her, if she's the one who's initiating it, uh, because it doesn't really impact her, so then in terms of her status, so then we will create some sort of penalty, like by uh, the rabbinic, like Shneos, by when there's a rabbinic prohibition to marry relatives. That in that case, um, she is initiating, because since it doesn't impact her status, because it's only on a rabbinic level, uh, she is initiating. Rebbe is of the opinion that essentially there's a difference between whether it's a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition, and we want to strengthen the rabbinic prohibitions. So the Gemara now will end, give about four or five different suggestions. We will reject all of them except for the last one. But essentially for all of these, there's the same common theme. We are going to give a suggestion, which is a biblical prohibition, but it doesn't impact your status. Since it's a biblical prohibition, according to the second approach, according to Rebbe, it's a biblical prohibition, there's no need for the fine. We only make a fine for the rabbinic prohibition to strengthen the rabbinic prohibition. So it's a biblical prohibition. However, at the same time, this doesn't impact your status. So according to the first position, since it doesn't impact your status, she, the wife, is the one who's initiating all of this because she really wants to get married. She'll even get married to this guy who she's not allowed to get married to. Uh, and so therefore we will create a fine because this doesn't really impact your status. So therefore we will create a fine if you hold like the first opinion. This has a ramification between the first and second opinion. The second opinion says um, it's really about it being biblical. It is a biblical prohibition, so therefore there's no fine. And according to the first opinion, there is a fine here. Uh, because since she's the one who's initiating it, therefore we will create a fine. So let's try to go through these various cases. Amar of Chista, suggestion number one. Mamzeres v'nesina l'Yisrael ikibenayo. The difference between these two approaches is a Jew who marries a woman who is a mamzer. A woman who is a mamzer. That is a biblical prohibition. So mamzer deresa hanami deresa. The one who holds that it's a biblical prohibition. So then there's no fine because it's a biblical prohibition. But mamzer of neshu hu margila hahi margila lei. Uh, for the Yisrael to marry the mamzer, the woman who's a mamzer, this doesn't impact her status. She's already a mamzer. And even with regards to her kids, if she has boys, explains Rashi, somebody who has a mamzer, as a boy, there is some way for him to get out of his mamzer situation by marrying uh, a woman who is a slave, and then the child is not no longer a mamzer, according to Rabbi Tarfon. And so this doesn't impact her status. Since it doesn't impact her status, she's the one who's initiating. Since she's the one who's initiating, so therefore we will create a fine. The Gemara says, no, how could you say that? She's not the one who's initiating. This does really impact her uh, because her children will become uh, mamzerim. And according to Rabbi Lezer, there's no way to fix the problem once the children become mamzerim. There's no way to fix the problem. So therefore, she's not initiating. He's initiating. So everybody would be in agreement that there's no fine. That's the rejection of suggestion number one. Suggestion number two is very similar. Elam reveals that Mazrugush also... Ikebenayu, the, the case is where a couple was married, they got divorced. She went ahead and married somebody else in the meantime. Since she went ahead and married somebody else in the meantime, she's now no longer able to return to her first husband. Even if her second husband passes away or they get divorced, she cannot return to, back to her first husband. Um, why that is, potentially, is because we were concerned for uh, leaving the marriage just to have a one-night stand, just to be with somebody for a little bit of time and then go back to your husband. We don't want that at all. So therefore we said that uh, you're not allowed to do that. You can't come back to your original husband after you already um, got married. So, so it's a biblical prohibition. Yes, it's a biblical prohibition, so therefore there's no fine, according to 
Rebbe. And if it's about the fact that it hurt, that uh, that uh, he's initiating and he's creating this, no, she is. She's the one because since it doesn't impact your status, uh, she's the one who's really pushing this along. So therefore, there should be a fine according to that second approach, and we have a practical difference. It's a biblical prohibition. So according to Rebbe, there is no fine. According to Rebbe Shimon there is a fine because she's the one who's initiating. No, she's not the one who's uh, pushing this marriage along because she knows that, according to Rabbi Akiva, the children will be mamzerim. The children will be a mamzer because it's a uh, it's a biblical prohibition, um, and so therefore, um, he is the one who's really pushing this, and this, therefore we will not have a fine. Everybody would agree in that. In case we will not have. A fine. Suggestion number three. The difference is, is in a case where the Kohen Gadol marries somebody who is a Ba'ula. She's no longer a virgin. Um, she was in a previous relationship. She had a previous relationship. And so therefore, that it's a prohibition. There's a prohibition for the Kohen Gadol. It's a, it's a violation of a positive commandment. But in the end of the day, it's a prohibition uh, for the high priest to marry her. He has to marry somebody who is a Ba'ula, who is a virgin. So, the one who holds that uh, we don't make fines on biblical prohibitions. This is also a biblical prohibition, so there's no reason to make a fine. It's only for the rabbinic prohibitions, to strengthen the rabbinic prohibitions, but it's no need here. But And if it's because she's the one who's initiating this marriage, it's not true. The, the fact that, he, sorry, that he's initiating this marriage, is not true. She is the one who's initiating this marriage because it doesn't impact her. Is that true? It's not true. If you hold like the opinion who says that this is a violation of a positive commandment, and through the violation of a positive commandment, the child becomes a mamzer, or sorry, a halal, the child becomes a halal, so therefore this does in fact impact her, so he, the husband, is the one who's initiating this, because uh, she won't initiate this because this creates her child to be a halal, so the husband is initiating this, since the husband is initiating this, so therefore we in fact uh, would not create a fine because the fine impacts him negatively, but because he's the one who's initiating this, so therefore we would not create a fine. Ella Amar Rav Ashi. So Rav Ashi says, What's the case? So the suggestion by Rav Ashi is that this is a case of where uh, there's a questionable whether or not your wife committed adultery. It's a question. We're not sure if she committed adultery. So you're not allowed to remain married until she re- drinks from the sota. If you are really uh, within that um, framework where uh, she would be viewed as a suffix sota, questionable sota, where you warned her and she uh, it, there's there's question as to whether or not uh, she had uh, committed adultery, uh, so in that case, that's a biblical prohibition. That is, in the, day, in the end of the day, a biblical prohibition. But at the same time, it doesn't impact her status. And so therefore, maybe she is the one who is initiating this whole marriage because it doesn't impact her status. So the Gemara says, what are you talking about? According to Master bin Kherish, it does it certainly impacts her status. Um, it, does, it does, in fact, uh, impact her status. Because... Uh, Rav Masa bin Khirish says it impacts her status because if she were to have uh, sexual relations with her actual husband, it's her actual husband. So we say that she becomes a zona because she wasn't allowed to. There's a prohibition that he cannot 
remain together, they can't have sexual relations until she goes through the whole process of the sota water uh, to prove her, her innocence. But until then, they're not allowed to have marital relations. And if they do, she becomes a zona. So it does impact her. So finally, the, the final conclusion of the Gemara is Elam Mar Baravashi, Sota Vada The cases where it's not that it's questionable whether or not she committed adultery. We know that she committed adultery. And it's a biblical prohibition to return back to your husband if you commit adultery. As such, since it's a biblical prohibition to return back to your husband, so if you hold to the approach that it's a biblical prohibition, so then therefore there's no fine. So according to that approach, there wouldn't be a fine. But because she is already, before she marries this person, she's already viewed as a sota. Uh, she's viewed as somebody who committed adultery. So therefore marrying this man will not impact, uh, will not impact her status. Since it won't impact her status, she's the one who's initiating. Since she's the one who's initiating, uh, so therefore we will make a fine. This will have a practical difference because it's a biblical prohibition. But since uh, she's the one who's initiating, so therefore we will have a fine according to that first uh, version. Okay, that concludes the Gemara all the way until the bottom by the next Mishnah. So in our next recording, we are starting a new Mishnah.